Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Welcome to today's show. Wow, today's episode is going to be powerful, and we are going to share a love story filled with adventure and trauma, pleasure and pain, joy and sadness. Our guest today is Terry Adamson, who currently resides in Malibu, California. She's had a very full career as an 18-year Malibu Superior Court Commissioner. She's an adjunct professor at Pepperdine University Caruso School of Law. She is a published author, a life coach, and a mom. She's currently helping people navigate transitions and overcome challenges through Terry Adamson Life Coaching. Terry and her late husband Grant were deeply in love. They had a mutual love for adventure and traveled extensively as they frequently answered the call to new experiences. Terry is here to tell us her incredible story of adventure, love, loss, and the growth that followed. Terry, my friend, welcome to the campfire. Thanks so much, Scott. Thank you for such a wonderful intro and for your friendship. Yeah. Terry and I uh, met in a mastermind group um, through Robert Holden and his success intelligence mastermind. And, and both of us have gone through tremendous amount of growth this past year, um, actually the past past two years. Um, but Terry, um, let's just uh, jump in. And if you can just tell us a little bit about life for you today. Well, I love outdoor adventures and being with nature. Um, my late husband, Grant, the love of my life, I used to call being out in nature the church of the open sky and because that's when we feel closest to God and just the wonder and the awe. Um, we loved so many outdoor activities and I still enjoy most of them. Um, we were avid hikers and um, we'd go on a lot of trips, including some international adventures doing scuba diving, hiking, horseback riding, and kayaking, whitewater river rafting, snow skiing, water skiing, and even a little bit of surfing. True adventurers. And I love, you had texted me that the other day. I love that he called it the church of the open sky. It's, that's just such a great metaphor for for what we're doing here on this podcast. Um, so yeah, so so where are some of the places that you guys traveled to, Terry? So we, um, fortunately, with our love of scuba diving that led us to some amazing exotic locations and amazing adventures, the, um, the most interesting of which was in Indonesia because we were on a, gro a, a boat with um, friends and family just going from island and little atoll to other atoll and we went places where we never saw another tourist mm. for 10 days and we went to one little island where they would never had visitors come and they took a break from their school that day and we got to meet the kids and it was just completely joyous and we also um dove in palau which, which is amazing lots of places in the caribbean 
Grant and I did a lot of international horseback rides. Um, we belonged to a group that would ride in Mexico um, for people from all over the world, which is just so interesting. And we did that a lot of years, as well as riding extensively in um, New Zealand and Ireland. Took the kids on great horseback adventures also. And then as a family, we did a lot of ski trips, um, mostly Sun Valley, uh, Idaho, but yeah. uh, a lot of other places like Colorado, and did a lot of really fun water skiing trips. And then as a family, um, our most exciting adventure trip was an African photo safari. Grant and I did three African photo safaris, one with our kids and two on our own, and went to Botswana, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Tanzania, South Africa, just absolutely life-changing, amazing trips. We were fortunate enough, um, we were able to go on a safari where we rode elephants for five days. And part of the time we'd walk alongside the elephants and um, the little babies would play with you. It was the cutest thing, Scott. Right. I remember like the little baby elephants would take the uh, a trunk, their trunk and like play with your hat, like take your hat off and put it back on just to goof around. And we also did walking safaris, which is just an, an amazing thing. I remember one time we were on a walking safari, it was just Grant, this one was just Grant and I and our guide. And and the the chief that was, you know, with us when we weren't on foot um, came tearing up to us and, and there was a bunch of wildebeest in the area, but what we couldn't see because it was blocked by all the wildebeest, was that there was a cheetah amongst them. So that was really exciting. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, the people were amazing in Africa. That I, I love animals so much, and I expected the animals to be incredible, which they absolutely were. We were fortunate enough we get to see all the big five. I especially love lions and giraffes. Um, but... What I didn't expect was just that the people were just so amazing. And even like we get to go to their villages, people would invite us to their homes. Mm -hmm. Even the people that didn't have material things were just so wealthy in terms of, of their love and their spirit. And they would dance and sing. And and they were having, um, these, they seemed to be having a, a very full, rewarding, enjoyable life. One thing I really remember, um, particularly from Africa that just really amazed me was when there was lions in the area, the animals would warn each other from the birds to other animals. They would send out calls wow. to each other to, to like, you know, they were, they were in this survival thing together. Yeah. They're in it together. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. I hadn't heard that. So these are, um, these are these trips that you're talking about. I'm hearing skiing and scuba, and I know you're just an avid hiker. I mean, this is all very physical activity. Like you guys, these aren't these aren't sit on the beach and drink margarita kind of trips. Like what what calls you to those kind of trips that that require the physical activity? What is it about that? There's there's something about the the energy I think with that, and just the it it makes you feel so alive and connected with nature. And we and I and particularly love to hike, the kids also. We trained for a year to hike Mount Whitney, and that was a goal that we oh, yeah. had. I'm so awesome. happy we were able to achieve that because we, we went up and down in one day. And most people do it overnight. 
I wanted to do it in one day, really just because I didn't want to have to have a heavy camping backpack on and so right. I built it with a day camp, a right. backpack. And we were just thrilled. The, the training actually was so much fun, Scott, because it took us, we'd have hiking in Aspen, Colorado and different places in um, Idaho and Mammoth. And it was just super, super fun for us. But we were we were able to do it in a day and, and both just found it felt a huge sense of accomplishment and joy yeah. about that. And then some of the other um, places, we've done some adventure travel. We took the kids to Egypt, which we all love culture and history too, and meeting people from around the world. And some of the other interesting places, we went to Machu Picchu and the Amazon. Yeah. That was really different and interesting. And I've also been to India. And I got to say, Scott, the more I travel, the more I find what you and I have found in our studies of spirituality, which is that there, there's really a oneness. I, I just feel so connected. I've always told my kids, I want them, we wanted as a family to do a lot of traveling because I said it's broadening in every sense of the word. And that that's how you really relate to other people. And I, I think it's really a gift because my kids were able to see people around the world are so alike that we all at the end of the day we want our families to be safe and peaceful and happy and we want to have community you know we want to have friendships and and the more just the more i get to know people from everywhere and the more i find that we we really are uh, we are a lot like like the African animals. We're in this together. Yeah. Let's each other. Yeah, I mean, what I'm hearing you say, I mean, my this list, like I'm trying to keep a list here of all the places that you've been, and I feel like you got just about every continent covered here. But you've been so many different places, and what I'm hearing you say is everywhere you go, it's almost like the world gets smaller because you realize that people are the same no matter where you go. In a really good way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really awesome. So. Um, so how, how did you and Grant meet and how did you guys like, could, do you remember when you guys first realized that you were both like, you both had this mutual love for adventure? We were really, really fortunate to meet my, we met at orientation my freshman year at UC San Diego. He was a year ahead of me. And so we just, it was immediate. We fell head over heels in love and I was with him from, we were together from 18 years old on until his tragic death. We were um, a couple for 37 years, married for 30, and have two you know, lovely, sweet, beautiful daughters and um, a great Labrador. And so Grant, I've always loved the outdoors. I'm someone who, as a kid, I mean, I was lucky. I was raised in the way that my kids were able to be raised, which was like, go outside, go play, yeah. come in at dark, you know, come in at dinner yeah. time. And I loved that. And we were just out, you know, running, running around, hiking in the hills, playing ball, just really being outside, riding my bike. Um, and my kids were lucky. They, we were raised, we had a horse ranch that we shared with, um, with our extended family. And so they were raised right next to a horse ranch where they could just go and, and literally it's like, go outside, come in at dark. So, so I've always really, just felt really comfortable in nature, but yeah. um, I wasn't raised with much travel at all. My my family just didn't have the opportunities sure. to do much of any travel. And 
Grant's family was very into um, adventure travel, sailing, and he he was he super athletic. He did competitive ocean swimming and triathlons, and and he really it was wonderful for me because he introduced me to all of these sports. Like I didn't know how to do any of those, all the things that I, that I told you we've done together. We, we had our own kayak. We used to kayak in the ocean every week and we were super, super outdoorsy. And he taught me all of those, all of those sports and activities. And I just like, I think we knew both. We both knew right away that, that we wanted to do a lot of travel and a lot of adventure travel together. Um, Neither, neither Grant or, or I, um, are very interested in much of the way of material things. Yeah, I mean, we like to have a beautiful home and to be in environments that are that are beautiful and, and near nature. I'm lucky enough that I can see the ocean and it makes me really happy. Um, but we both always thought that what mattered was experiences mm-hmm. and and exposing our kids to travel and to experiences as opposed to accumulating. Material items. Absolutely. Do you remember the first trip that you guys took together? Like the first adventure trip? This is really funny because my kids know that um I actually like really nice hotels. I mean, I find camping. We we did a number of water ski camping trips with the kids and it's really fun. But I am someone who I'll admit I I appreciate a really nice hotel. So my kids thought the story was very funny. My very first trip away with Grant when we'd been dating a few months, what we lived in San Diego, so a lot of people would just go over the border. So the first trip we did together was in Mexico. He was an avid surfer, and we went to a place called Rosarita Beach in Mexico so that he could surf and I could swim. And we it was actually a fabulous, fun, romantic trip. But the funny part of the story is our accommodations, you know, the the fancy place that we stayed on this first trip away together was his car. <laughs> we slept in his car. And it wasn't a big car, Scott. It was a really little, little Opal, little car. I love it. But you know what? We had so much fun. We didn't care. And my kids, you know, later when I told them that story, they thought it was so funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just like a lifetime. And so you guys, uh, have lived in California pretty much your, your entire married life and you've raised a family there and, you know, you've just, you've mixed in a a really high impact career with travel and raising a family. We've also done a lot of boating adventures, um, where Grant was also a really avid sailor and we did something called bear boating, British Virgin, um, islands, and some other places and that's really special we'll go with other friends and we did the channel islands quite a bit and with our kids which is where bear boating is where grant was the captain i was one of the galley girls nice. and so we did everything ourselves and that's really amazing and what's very special about that is if you like a certain island or a toll you just stay there longer yeah. you know you just you, there's no agenda oh, and yeah. Yeah, you get to go places with that for scuba diving and snorkeling where there's not a lot of other people. 
Yeah. So you talked about, you know, like experience over material things. And obviously you've been mm-hmm. so many places and you have so much experience. Uh-huh. I'm just curious if you could talk a little bit more about that, like experience over material things and, and, you know, how have you grown and what have you learned through all these experience, these travel experiences? Yeah. To me, it really, at the end of the day is all about what, to me, like, I think sometimes well, because I did have a near-death experience, which we'll talk about in a few mm. minutes. Yep. I actually had more than one, but one where I was literally in the process of dying. Um, it does, it's very sobering. And so I'm not afraid of dying at all. Uh, I want to make sure I live my life in a way that I'm aligned with my values and a way that I'm spreading love and kindness to other people. That's That's the most important thing to me you know, being a nurturing, loving mom and just relationships are the most important to me. I absolutely cherish my friendships and I'm still really in love with Grant. He's in my heart always. He he always will be. And I still, I feel so, so blessed. But as far as to me, it, it's all about, it's all about the experiences that you can have. And I think that we grow so much as we get to know people from all different cultures mm-hmm. around the world and and just that's how that's how we connect and that's really helped me and i know my daughters too to see like what really matters in life yeah. and i think what really matters the most is kindness you and i have had a lot of conversations about that and i know that's something that you always come back to is that loving kindness and i wrote mm-hmm. that down here you know, just talk about the, the the meaning of the loving kindness to you because I know that's something that's really important to you. Absolutely. And Robert Holden, who's you're in my mentor, has, has been an amazing guide in, in that way. It is. I'd say it's the most important thing to me. And and I think a, an important aspect of that is you got to love yourself first. And of course, I don't mean in a narcissistic way, but be in a place where like I enjoy my own company and um, you know, feel feel good about yourself and your values and then just spread spread the kindness and the love to other people like i i'm happy if i do anything that makes someone's day any bit better you know any day i'm i i'm always friendly and smiling and talking to people and if i don't know them i'm you know i'm i'm the person that you know i'll, I'll go if i'm at a restaurant I'll go if I'm going to the restroom or something. Then I'm on my way back. I might have a couple of conversations with people, and yeah, I'm really happy to talk to to everybody, to to waiters, to uh, Uber or cab drivers. I I love just hearing the stories of of other people. And you know, the girls and I have been told that through the accident that we went through, that we've been inspiring to other people, and I'm happy to talk about that, like anything that I can, that's why I really segued into life coaching because having gone through really severe trauma and coming through the other side of that with strength and with um, more compassion than I ever had before and finding that I am so much more resilient than I ever realized that I was. I, I really want to help other people to get their mojo back reignite their passion for life and to see that, you know, you know, the old saying, the only way out is through and whether it's grieving, whether it's emotional pain and or physical pain, 
got to you get through it and you get through the fog and wow there are bright blue skies on the other side yeah and i appreciate you going there so yes so you did have uh, a tragic accident can you can you share that with us yeah absolutely um because I really do think of my life in terms of pre and post accident. Mm -hmm. So this, it's been eight years now and Grant and I were celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary with our two daughters who were at the time age 24 and 20 in Switzerland and wasn't on our anniversary luckily, but um, we were in a hot air balloon crash where it was incredibly tragic. Um, the, the balloon hit a power line, which is the most dangerous thing that could happen right. if you're in a hot air balloon. And typically if that happens, everyone dies because they either, typically either they get electrocuted or the balloon explodes or, you know, goes on fire or people fall and, and, and die in the crash. So uh, my husband did die, um, which was so unbelievably sad and tragic. Fortunately, he did not suffer it, it was it was immediate um and so and my daughters and i we fell i think it was 135 feet so and the the balloon has these these lines there might be called tensions but there's these lines and i think we were hanging on i think there's 12 and we were hanging on by two it was yeah. something like that which would have if those two would have broken it would have separated the basket from the balloon and of course my daughters and I and the pilot would have died as well. Um, as it was, uh, we crashed really hard and we were hospitalized for months. Um, I was in ICU for six weeks, hospitalized altogether for two and a half months. And on landing, we all had punctured lungs. I had both my lungs punctured and had to have a tracheotomy at the scene. Um, and um, we all broke our backs and a lot of other body parts. I I broke my jaw in four places, had a head injury and a a brain a slight brain injury that did not affect my cognitive functions. Fortunately, and that and the brain injury was not permanent, so that was lucky. Um, and I did have spinal cord injury, so I walk with like braces in my shoes they are called AFOs they're they don't show mm -hmm. so they're it's it's not it's really not so bad like it's not nearly that part is not really as bad as I thought it would be and um anyway I also broke my leg I have a rod in my leg which doesn't cause me any problems and I had internal injuries including a perforated liver and my diaphragm was floating and the, the they didn't know at first about the internal injury and it was causing bleeding so i almost died from that as well as the punctured lungs and they we all underwent very severe spine surgeries one of my daughters had a 17-hour spine surgery and all three of us were in very critical condition there was two times during i um, also put my pelvis in both places or a lot of injuries but Anyway, um, there was two times during my recovery where I was in the process of dying. And one time, my well, two times my heart stopped. And one time the EpiPen didn't work, but the defibrillator did. Mm -hmm. And um, so some amazing things that came out of that. We had an incredible support of family and friends. We had, I think, 16 people come to Switzerland from the United States to 
be with us and and nurse us through this, including my friends, Suzelle and Kathleen, that each took off a month of their incredibly busy lives. And just people were, our our friends, like I knew we had great friends, but I, I, you really don't know, you go through something like that, it's just unbelievable how incredible people were. Absolutely. Anyway, I was at first not expected to live, and then I wasn't expected to be able to walk again. And that it took about a year to learn to be able to walk again and dress myself. It was a lot of work, seven seven days a week PT mm-hmm. uh, for a really long time. But um, I was also told, and this is one thing I want to just put out there because I, I want other people not to be discouraged sometimes when they're told right. something really negative, that I was told by two different speech therapists in one of the hospitals that I wouldn't be able to teach anymore because it turns out I had a brain injury that paralyzed my left vocal cord, but we didn't know what it was at the time. Okay. And so I couldn't articulate, I couldn't project my voice and I also couldn't articulate in a way to speak in a way that I could be heard. And also my jaw, like I said, was broken in four places and most of the teeth in my mouth had to get repaired. Some of them were knocked out and they were all messed up. But I did my, one of my closest friends, Wendy, and, and uh, my daughter said, that's not acceptable, mom. We're gonna, we're just gonna take you to whatever doctors, and we'll get you so you can talk again. And um, sure enough, within a year, I was speak. I spoke at Pepperdine's law school graduation in front of a thousand people. Amazing. And then later that year, I spoke at the annual law school dinner, also in front of about a thousand people. And I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking fine. So that I think is was a really great lesson for me and for some people close to me. And then my students got, at Pepperdine got to see me progress from the wheelchair to the walker to crutches to a cane to look no on no hands walking. And and so I and with my daughters too, you know, it was that progression. And so I know that's been inspiring to people because I can still we we my kids and I go on adventure trips. We um, uh, we went circling in Hawaii for their Christmas present last year. We were able to do that. And I'm still hiking. I, I can't do the extensive kind of hikes that I could before. I can't do something really slippery, but I can still hike. I can even hike something steep as long as it's not slippery. And I'm able to, one thing I remember, Scott, that I want to pass along is when I was in the hospital and I didn't know if I'd ever be able to walk again, um, I remember asking the doctors, I was not paralyzed, and I remember asking the doctors if I love to swim. I swim every single day, seven days a week. And I, and I remember saying, would I be able to swim? And they said, absolutely. And I said, would I be able to do a stationary bike? And they said, yes. And I remember thinking, okay. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah, like, it's the bright side. I could take a stationary bike. I could put it outside. I could be with nature, even if I'm not going to be able to walk. And I would take my wheelchair and I would go all around and get arm exercise um, in the hospital. And I just felt like, okay, well, I can still be active and my, my brain's fine. I can read and use my mind. And so... And, and of course, I know, um, like, gosh, people like Karen Dark, who's on your podcast, so incredibly inspiring. And I know people who have been paralyzed who are having very full, incredible, amazing oh, lives. Yeah. 
or enjoying life and also touching other people in a positive way. Yeah. So, so for me, like I felt like, okay, I could still do these things. And now I've always enjoyed being out in nature so much, but I have to say, when you go through something like this, where you think you might not be able to again, it's even sweeter. It's, just like I go out on my walks every day and I, I literally just like smell how beautiful and fresh it is outside and take it all in. And I remember in the hospital, the one thing that was a turning point, there was two turning points for me. One, when I got out of ICU, um, one was of course, being able to see my kids again, we were all undergoing so many surgeries and we couldn't be together. That was, incredibly hard, especially I'm really close to my kids. And as a mom, they were going through life-threatening surgeries and I couldn't be there for them because I was in ICU going through 12 surgeries and, and obviously they didn't have their dad, but we had incredible friends who became second moms to them. So that was a big turning point. And the other thing was at some point, I think it was one of my kids got the great idea that I could we could take me in my wheelchair and there was a little patio outside off the floor in the hospital. And I remember, Scott, I just had tears in my eyes. Getting outside. Yeah. Getting outside in yeah. months. Uh -huh. And it was just so amazing like to be able to feel the air and be outside and touch something green and see the blue sky. Absolutely. Like, yeah, like, you know, life is really worth living and Grant's still in my heart. And... So we, the girls and I went through severe trauma, but I tell my kids now, you know, I'm going through, and I think we're going through what I call post-traumatic strength. And I know the three of us all want to help other people. You know, we're all compassionate people. And we want to help anyone who's, who's been through trauma. And, and for me, my, my niche in life coaching is to help people get through really difficult transitions and especially to help people find their their resilience, find their strength, and and regain their joy. It as much as I love my and, and miss my husband every single day, all the time. I do have my joy de vivre again. It, it definitely took a while, but I I do have the the love and joy for life again. And um, yeah, I'm still doing. Still doing great adventures with with my kids and and with good friends. I'm I'm going to see Robert Holden this summer and, and, uh, in England, and a really close friend invited me to Greece. So, you know, there'll be wonderful opportunities for the adventure so continues. Um, you and I have talked about that concept of of post traumatic strength. That's something that I know you like to talk about, and um, some people might have heard it as as post-traumatic growth and you like the spin mm -hmm. of post-traumatic strength. And, and I love that too. You mentioned like early on some of the fears, the thoughts, the doubts, and I'm just curious if you could share a little bit more about that and how you got through that. Absolutely. So I'll tell you, cause this goes back to Robert Holden. Um, it was devastating to lose Grant. He was the love of my life. He still is. Um, my best friend, my rock, and for the kids to lose at such a young age, their dad. And then the injuries were so extensive. I mean, the pain was, I was fortunate to get off pain meds right away. And now I don't take anything, not even Advil. I take absolutely nothing from 
from the studies I've done. Well, I also know about you that you 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 do a lot of self care. You do a lot of meditation to avoid medication, right? Exactly. Exactly right. I love it. I meditate every day. But what was amazingly helpful for me was I I've been studying spiritual and positive psychology for over a decade now. So mm-hmm. at that time, I'd been studying it out of interest for about two years. Just before the accident, I had just finished Robert Holden's book called Shift Happens, S-H-I-F-T. Mm-hmm. I know you know it. Shift right. Happens, which is all about stuff happens uh, that's out of our control. We can't control that. But what we do have the control over is our own reactions and our own perspective and the way that we reframe um, whatever happens to us. So I just finished this book and it's amazingly inspirational. So after the accident, we were all in so much physical and emotional pain and went through so much. And I, um, I remember saying to my kids, so we have a couple choices here. We, we, we cannot undo what has happened, but our choices are we can just feel like victims and pity ourselves and, and just be in pain and be sad, or we can you know choose to still have full lives and have the best lives that we can. And I remember um, my older daughter, Lauren, saying to me, there was one time I was really, really sad because it was it was our actual wedding anniversary on this day. Mm-hmm. And I was in the hospital and I was crying and obviously missing Grant so much and knowing we would have been celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary. And um, so I was texting with my daughter, Lauren, and I'll never forget her text. She texted to me and, and she said, Mom, we owe it to Dad to honor him and to still have the best lives that we can. One thing I didn't I mention, so one thing I didn't mention was my husband actually saved our lives. Um, so when we don't remember exactly what happened, because one thing that happens when you have that kind of fall and head injuries is, I think it almost always happens that there's a partial amnesia. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what happened just before. Um, but we were headed to the power lines and and my last memory is huddling together and hugging and saying that we love each other. And I and I know that my husband was hugging us. He was on the outside protecting us with his body and hugging mm-hmm. us. And then it was me, my daughter Lauren and my and the younger daughter Megan and the more in the middle. And we're all hugging each other. So he literally buffered his wife and daughters from the power line and saved our lives and you know put his life in more danger and saved our lives is what he did and so we do you know we do owe it to him not to waste that and so i feel like to the extent that i can do anything to help anyone else get through suffering to get through trauma that's what i want to do and robert holden's been amazing to me and these books I've read, um, Seth Hayes, there's a book called A Liberated Mind, and there's a book called The Way Out by Alan Gordon about um, getting through what's called neuroplastic pain, how a lot of pain is actually chronic pain. It's actually located in the brain as Mm -hmm. opposed to the body part. And so I'm able through meditation and just through all the the self-coaching and all the coaching that that I've done, to not have to take any any pain meds whatsoever. And, and what I do is not let the fear factor attach. 
So if when I feel like back pain coming on or sciatica coming on, and it, it can be excruciating, when I feel it coming on, I, I what I do is I don't do what I used to do and what a lot of people do, which is having this like, oh my gosh, the pain's so bad. What if it doesn't go away? What if it gets worse? What if it's not bearable? I don't do that anymore. Instead, I say to myself, I do deep breathing and I say to myself, this pain is temporary, I'm healed, I'm safe. I'm going to get through this pain. I've gotten through much worse pain than this and I was fine. This pain is going to go away, I'm, I'm safe and I'm going to be okay. And, and instead of getting mad at my back or my body part, I'll kind of give myself a little, you know, back rub and just say, hey, what would feel good, you know? Would lying down feel better, taking a walk? And I just have a, a calm about it, and then I'll get in the flow, get into something that I'm passionate about, whether it's walking, swimming, riding, being with friends or kids or coaching or playing with my Labrador. And then I'll notice, wow, I'm not in pain. It's working for you, Terry. It's totally working for you. So, um, you know, talking about fear, uh, one thing that struck me when we first met was that you talked about not being afraid of dying. And you said that uh, when you were in the hospital that you had a near-death experience and almost an, an out-of-body experience of sorts. And I'm just curious if you could share a little bit about that. Absolutely. I've had two. I had another what felt certainly like a near-death experience once, whitewater river rafting where the boat flipped and I was caught under for what was definitely too long. And I just thought, you know, my kids were little at the time. And I thought, I have to get out from under. I get, I've got two little kids at home. So they teach you this thing. It's like a cat. You claw out like a like a cat. And anyway, I got thrown all the way down the Tuolumne River and scraped up and banged up. And I was hyperventilating. And it was really scary. And eventually, Grant pulled me back into the raft and was you know telling me that I was okay you know I was hyperventilating I'm like I'm not okay and I was really scared and and then he said he said T you're okay you're going to be okay and then I thought okay well you know what choice do I have so I'm going to choose that and and in the hospital after the accident um there was a point where I was in the process of dying and I remember what I was thinking was I want to go to G, which is what I call Grayon, and I want to be with God, and I want to go to the light. So I don't remember actually seeing a light, Scott, but I remember feeling that yes. there was a light. And I remember it was euphoric. Like I was in, because most of what could break had broken, and I was in so much emotional and physical pain going like on to the to what's whatever energy form we are and whatever is after which i do believe um felt it felt euphoric and i really wanted that except that i i saw my daughter's faces and like they they need me so badly i have to you know i have to stay here for them so but after that it it, it the idea look it's we're all going to die it's the, that's the most natural thing in the world and if we didn't then there wouldn't be babies born and so i'm not i absolutely am not afraid of that what's important to me is to to live my life in a way that i'm living each day aligned with my values yeah. and that i am 
being kind and caring to other people and valuing friendships and relationships above everything else. Cause then like, then I'm having a great life and I'm not, and then at, at, you know, when the end comes, it's like one of the questions I'll ask in coaching is if you, if you knew that you had one, only one more year to live. And let's say that, that, you weren't going to be suffering during this year, right? So, so you're not in pain, you're not debilitating, could debilitated, could be a great year, but you have one left, which none of us ever know, but let's say that that's how much time you have left. What changes would you make? Mm -hmm. Like in what way would you live your life different than the way you're living it now? And I think that could be such a wake up call to people because for me, I am living my life the way I want to live it. And so, when I go, I go, no. Well, there's a lot of adventure left in you. And I love, I mean, this whole story, it's, it is, it's a love story and, and you have grown so much through your entire life. And this recent chapter, you know, you've, you've spent the last couple of years, um, really kind of processing what's happened, but also, you know, you've gone through it yourself, but you've also, um, done a lot of studying and now you're, you're, position yourself to be able to help other people um, through the same thing. So um, do you want to just take a second to tell us about your coaching practice? Yeah, I do. And I just want to say one other thing, because my, my friends have been so incredibly amazing. And through the grieving process, my close friend, Judith, um, who's a designer, not by, mm -hmm. um, not professionally, but she'll do it for her closest friends or for herself. Um, I, I built a house over the ocean and she decided it was a labor of love and we spent like 20 hours every week for three years building this beautiful home because emotionally it was too hard for me to be in my home without grant right. and so we built this beautiful home and it was really a way to help me through the grieving process and i just want to say that my friends and my kids were and, and my dogs so amazing helping me through it um, the coaching practice, yes, it's, um, if anyone wants to reach me, it's tadamsoncoaching at gmail.com. So it's T-A-D-A-M-S-O-N, coaching, C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G at gmail.com. And I'm doing this, Scott, because my heart is really in it. I really, really want to help people to get through. We all have times where life throws us a curveball mm -hmm. and unexpected things happen. And I really, really want to help people get through challenges, find that they're stronger than they realized and, and, and truly find their passion for life again. Oh, I appreciate that so much. You are so strong and such an inspiration. And I really think the story is going to help a lot of people. So Terry, it is an incredible story. And someday Hollywood is going to make a movie about you. <laughs> so uh, who is the actress that's going to play you in your movie? Uh, let, let's have Tia Leone. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. I love it. What's your movie going to be called? Okay. That's really funny. At one point during this podcast, I, I laughed at something you said because I was thinking, um, the adventure continues. You mentioned that in this podcast. The adventure does continue. The movie would be called the adventure continues. <laughs> I love that so much. Well, listen, I know Grant is in your heart and I know he's, I know he's listening today. He's with us and uh, I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, and for those that are listening, I hope you have been inspired today as much as I have. I hope that Terry's story has encouraged you to listen to that voice inside that calls you to adventure because we want to hear your story next. 
If you have a story to tell or you need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Thanks for listening. And Terry, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Scott, for your friendship and being such an inspiration to so many people.